Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. I'm thrilled to have on a renowned expert who has really cut her teeth in the bowels of tragedy. Uh, as a therapist in Southern California, where she was front lines for the fires for a lot of the mass shootings that unfortunately have occurred in the Western uh, half of the United States. And we discuss today, not tragedy, but trauma and healing from trauma and what that looks like and why and how. And the next evolution of humanity, which is spirituality, which is shocking coming from someone who is as scientifically minded as she is in a lot of ways. We speak about that also. So Practically speaking, this might be one of the most impactful episodes that I've had the pleasure of conducting, uh, and a lot of practical stuff that touches a lot of areas in life. And if you are a client of mine or soon to be a client of mine, I will be referring you to listen to this episode. And if you are not a client of mine, I think it's pretty good to listen to it also. So no further ado, Dr. Sherry McDonald. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, Lift Your Legacy is committed to helping you live a more authentic and meaningful life. That being said, if I could ask you to share this podcast with someone that you think would get value from the message, that would be fantastic. In addition, I wanted to make you aware that along with the podcast, I do offer executive coaching. I help people who are successful and highly motivated, who want to see extreme, or not even so extreme, maybe just a small change that in their life. I want to help them get to the next level. What does that mean specifically? Creating more peace in your relationships with yourself, growing your business, clarifying your career, and even if you need a little bit of help losing some weight or getting more healthy, I do that also. I'm not for everyone, but for those people that are invested in making their life better and taking the next step, I highly recommend you consider me as a coach for you. Now, how do you get in touch? Well, you found the podcast. I wanted to tell you also my email, Jacob, my first name, Jacob at liftyourlegacy.live. Feel free, please, to reach out there or on all, any or all of my social media channels. I'd be thrilled to give you a complimentary half an hour conversation to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And now, with no further ado, I ask you to please sit back and enjoy the show. Dr. Sherry McDonald, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited this happened and that we're able to have a conversation. You have specialized, unfortunately, well not, it's not unfortunate you specialize in it, but the unfortunate reality of our, of our lives dealing with trauma, traumatic events, you being in Southern California has, has put you in, you know, right in the front row of, of a lot of mass shootings and you've, you've had to counsel people through that. Um, and as our society becomes a little bit more crazy, or at least our awareness of the craziness, craziness of society, uh, the work that you're doing becomes more and more important. So I wanted to first thank you so much for doing it and tell you I'm so excited to learn from you today. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, you know, and excited to really talk about this topic because I, although I've been in practice as a, as a therapist for 35 years and I've um, launched into the coaching, um, I have, I've always dealt with trauma, but today's society, yes, we've been bombarded, unfortunately, by it, but we're also more willing to talk about it. And, and in the most recent years, we've also been more willing to research it and really research what, what is trauma and how do we manifest it in our day-to-day -day lives as individuals. We can talk about the big tragedies and they kind of wake us up and, and they're out of our, our, our um, paradigm. And so they really are sensational for a while and tragic. However, they're just, they're, they're like a, a, a mirroring back to us what we really deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And so um, I was, I was um, really woken up myself um, years ago when um, the anthrax scare came and a reporter on the news um, stopped a woman in the streets in Egypt and, he, and she's like in the 30s and he said, what do you think, what do you think about 9-11? How do you feel about America having to deal with this? And she looked at me and she said, I'm glad it happened, which is horrific. You know, who says that? And he, and he and, and she goes, because now Americans know what it feels like for me every time morning when I walk out my front door. And it was a wake up call that me is me, you, each of us. We all carry this unresolved grief around and, and, and that, that through developmental trauma, through, through um, heartbreaks, through real losses. I mean, life losses. Everything's a loss, but life losses. And we don't really recognize lost dreams and we don't really recognize them as trauma. And so, so now that, that science is kind of caught up and people are willing to talk about it, um, the, the research is showing that we carry trauma down to the cells of our body. And so although as a clinician and therapist for 35 years doing talk therapy, um, um, I realized that's not enough. And so, so I, my clients have taught me I need to do more. And I've had um, um, impressions and, 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 and been directed and led to other modalities that in my little world, I didn't know existed. And so, so um, such as my hypnotherapy training, and that is really what my PhD is in, and, um, and, and how, that man how that helps trauma, my reprocessing therapy, the EMDR, my yoga certification, because we care to release trauma, we have to do it in our body, my energy work, you know, and, um, and uh, or just the beginnings of it, and how we have to take personal accountability for our lives. And so, so um, in that process, and the catalyst that really got me like why I talk about it more people and be on this podcast was and the unfortunate um, 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 events that hit all at once. The, the Route 91, Las Vegas shooting, the borderline bar shooting that was the five minutes from my office, the mass fires that hit the 83% of the mountains. Yes, I got flooded with clients during those times, but, but it, it helped me really stop and think. They're not getting well by talking. We gotta get out of, this, out of this therapy room, get them in back into their world, in the community, we got to help the community stop being fractured because now with you can look at the heels and you can see they're burnt, they're fractured. And so how we heal as individuals and then as then join hand in hand as a community and, and, and keep growing forward because every day we can look on the news and see a fracture, but we, but where we see also the hope, the kind acts, the, 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 the healing hearts. We have a choice to look at which one we want, which, which one we want to see. We have a choice, but we have to, we need direction. And we need support. So as so I wrote my recent book, Heal Your Trauma, Heal Your Marriage, Seven Steps to Root, Rebound, and Rise. And seven steps, really, they're eight steps. How each step is a step for developing 
healing as individuals than be healers. So we heal from the inside out. We act on it, mind, body, and spirit. Then we can share that in the community, and then we can work with the community, and then we can be healers ourselves to help others heal. And because that's, we have to do the complete circle to, for full healing. Okay, so l- let me thank you for sharing that. I, I would love to sort of delve into some of the details a little bit with you. So one of the things it sounds to me that you're saying is that our obsession or our fascination, you know, again, when we take out the incentives for advertising that the media has to just kind of get eyeballs. Uh, but one of the reasons why the eyeballs flock to the negative news, and especially when you have these you know, mass, mass shootings or, or large amounts of trauma, is that we are identifying with pain and trauma that we have experienced in our own life. And so that's what, so to speak, gravi- makes us gravitate towards the tragic events. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yes, that's accurate. Very good. Okay. So if you are finding yourself drawn into, and I, I'm just saying candidly for, for myself, you know, we are at the time of this recording, there was a, a, a shooting yesterday and automatically my inclination is, okay, let's find out all the information and, and you know, great. I'm so excited that there's all, you know, people on Twitter, they're, fit, they're filming it so I can feel like I'm part of the action. And what that indicates is, what you're saying, is that there's a lot of unresolved trauma that I'm connecting to through this terrible event. Correct. Great. So, or, well, it is what it is. So how does one go about, I, I guess, does it, wh- what's the first step? When you acknowledge, so to speak, you have a problem or you have this stuff going on, is it about figuring out what the trauma is or is it like, how do you take a person through this healing process? So, so one is I think we first buy into that, um, that um, we all have some developmental trauma and you want to call it unresolved grief because that's probably feels more accurate, you know? And so, so that, that, and if we, the tendency, the conditioning of our society is to just move forward, just move on and rather than move through. And so, so when we buy into, okay, I probably have something that I haven't moved through yet. That's when you start where you start where you're at. And then, and then um, it doesn't, it, at the beginning, you may not really know what is my trauma. You may not key into it and call it a trauma, call it unresolved grief, call it anything. You, uh, you may not even remember at the, at the beginning. Some, unfortunately, a lot of addictions, for instance, they're finding it's associated with abandonment from zero to two. Now, this is precognition. You're not going to have memory of it, you know? Right. So, right. So, so that's going to take some therapy to really figure that out. But so, so the first step is to acknowledge there's probably something and be curious. You know, we're so busy um, a black and white thinking, which, i.e., is trauma. When we do black and white thinking, we're traumatized. You know, it's trauma thinking. So, so but we get that. Hold on. What do you mean? You got you to, that. hang on. Explain, explain that, please. Okay, black and white thinking is either or. I'm either, I'm, I'm all good, I'm all bad. I, I'm traumatized or I'm not. You know, rather than think, okay, there may be, I'm curious. There may be something there. Because I'm, just like you said, I'm drawn to this. So maybe there's something there in me. That acknowledgement is the first step. Okay, I don't know where it's at. So I want to wake up, and I call that reawakening. And the reawakening is I'm gonna take accountability. So, yeah, the, per- so the, per- the person that, and I'm, I'm just I'm really fascinated by. It. So so if we're if we're talking about a person's fundamentalism, let's say if a person ex- exhibits fundamentalist tendencies, usually that indicates that there is some unresolved trauma. 
Yes. Which is why they're finding that everyone like, again, we just, everyone loves to pick on ISIS, but it's like overwhelmingly that the profile is, it's not about being impoverished or about necessarily any kind of social injustice that these people are feeling, but usually have deeply unaffiliated, deeply uh, affected, emotionally hurt young men that don't have a place to express that. So whenever you start to see, you're saying, black and white thinking or uh, or is it the intensity of emotion if i if i love football is that also indicative like indicative of trauma or only like how do, how do you separate between an intense love and passion for something external let's say football versus uh being drawn to a fundamentalist religion or fundamentalist practice of religion or something like that you know it, it's it um that that is probably on an individual individual basis because sometimes it's personality you can't just say if somebody's overexcited about football they have black and white think and they're traumatized but 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 some people they they use that as escapism That's and it's deflection totally. and so and and they don't know how to express emotion so they do it that way vicariously um and so 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 um it could be trauma so so it's so that when we start where we're at that's where the curiosity comes in. Look for those areas. Well, why am I so drawn to this? Yes. Okay. Yes. And right. where do I get from it? Right. And, 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 and where am I, is it taking me from? Because a lot of times we'll do a lot of good things to avoid the, dealing with this. And this, you know, and so we do work all around it. So we don't have to do this or get one to pay attention to this. And addicts are really good with that. And so, so, um, so, so we delude ourselves. So our full goal is when we say start where we're at and we take that accountability for life, we're really addressing emotional honesty, where we start to become impeccable with ourselves. We're keying into and looking at ourselves and say, okay, every sentence I, 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 I verbalize, I do with the intention for self-preservation. So why am I, why am I structuring the sentence or why am I focused on this thing? Is it about me? Is it about them? Is it about trying to self-preservation, that Maslow's hierarchy? Am I just at the preservation level? Or have I evolved and I'm really other-oriented? Or I've evolved my authentic self and I really see the bigger picture here of how, how uh, we're all hand in hand in this together. And so, 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 um, so we only know, but we do, when we can work the steps um, and through talk, symbolism, rituals, mind, body, and spirit, these things kind of percolate and they come up and these ahas come out. And then we can say, you know, you watch football because you really enjoy football and you have a, an, an, a, you're an extrovert. And so you're really expressive. You're an introvert you watch football because you really don't want to fight with your, with your, with your um, husband. You really like football with him, but you will, and you'll scream and yell at the TV so, and act like it so he will be happy and leave you alone. And also, also maybe not have sex with you. So this is really good. So, so which one is, you know, because you have it, you have been abused as a child and you don't like sex. So this is, you know, so there's so many levels that people, agendas. So only we know our agenda. So we and, work through and this agenda. Our agenda, meaning it doesn't mean that we know our agenda, but that our agenda is somehow encoded there, and it's it's incumbent on us to to figure out why we're we're operating the way we do. Yes, yes, and then as we go ahead, no, go ahead. No, I was going to so, say. So, 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 I, so, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm listening. So 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 then as we as we do that, then we can then we can recognize through relationships. I believe there's opposition to all things that we, we, we have this relationship and we're either, um, um, we're, we're, we're mirroring back. They usually say in a marriage, we'll mirror back our shadow and we, and we can, we can see where are we, where, where um, we could listen and learn and see, okay, how am I being perceived? What, what am I, what am I selling? What am I giving? 
How am I loving? Where's my, why am I heartbroken by this? And we, and we learn through these, through this, this um, resistance, this push pull in, in relationships with people, with money, with jobs, you know, with our, with, you know, um, you know, um, with, with anything we have relationship with, you know, we can see how do I manage that? And is there trauma associated? A lot of people from the depression, you know, they're, they're kind of moving out of the 1930s, but out, you know, they, the relationship with money, multi-generational, if they're Scrooges is because it, in their cells of the body, maybe they had a, a, a parent or a grandparent who went through the depression and they carry that conditioning as well as that body memory of loss with money and that money is scarce. And so then they have a scarcity mentality and they are constantly fighting poverty, you know, versus someone who has a abundance mentality and doesn't have a depression, you know, um, it wasn't part of the depression or doesn't have any loss of money and doesn't see money as energy and abundance and God gives as he gives. Um, they may have too much money and they have managed it other ways. Um, but so, but, but so, so it's, it's learning that relationship, that opposition, allows us to kind of offer another window of trauma and how to, and how to manage it and work through it. So, so another so what, I'm, what I'm seeing when you, when you say opposition, so, so essentially whatever is affecting you is, is, is actually teaching you. And, exactly. and what's, what it's, it's such an, it's such an interesting and a, and a fundamental paradigm shift. It's what, what I'm just sort of projecting out. And you can tell me if, if, if you would disagree with this, but and, and it's also interesting on the, on the level of when you mentioned coaching is that a lot of times what we perceive is, you know, I want to be here, I want to be there, and I'm here right now. And when you start talking about multi-generational trauma or you start talking about that there's, you know, unresolved issues that were from zero to two, eventually it ceases to become about how do I get to step 20 from step 10 because really maybe our whole goal in life is just trying to get to five but actually get there, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a lot more about assessing your mindset. And I guess maybe just to project on the other end, what does it look like when you are healed or healing? What is it? How does a person, so it's, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like um, paint a picture if you could for someone that's done a significant amount of work, what does their life look like? You know, um, um, their, their, their life looks like um, that they have, they, they, they've, they've had the trauma and they say, my trauma is, okay, I'm going to um, pick, I have a few, but I'll pick, um, um, well, I feel like, I feel like, gosh, um, let's say you, that you have a, a um, look like an everyday loss. Cancer is so prevalent. Well, to cancer. So let's say you, ha you, you um, have cancer and the doctor tells you that you are, because I've had real life people do this, that, that you are, um, is terminal. And so, so, so now you have this opposition, you have this relationship with your body and this, this invader in your body that's come and it's, and, and the medical field says they're determining your, your fate and, um, and, and someone who has taken accountability for themselves and they want life. I made a decision. I want life. And this is, this is not, I know myself well enough. This is not right. I'm not I'm meant to die right now. So, so doctor, what more do you have for me? And, and, and he may say, okay, you can do radiation treatment, radiation and chemo will give you five years. Okay. I, I don't feel like that's enough because now you're keyed into that inner healer, that inner knowing. I, I, feel, I feel like we all have that inner knowing. I'm so sorry. One okay. second. Sometimes your office door does not lock all the way. That's okay. That's great. Let's <laughs> say, lock the door.
This is the benefit of not doing live, uh, not doing live TV. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, 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 walk me through it again. So, the, the person says, "We'll start from the let's let's we'll start from a clean place." Um, so, again, how does a person who's dealing with cancer how do they overcome that? Like, how do they deal with that? So they first, they first to take accountability for their own life, and they decide, "I want you know, I this is this is a gift. This is this is a curse. We go through that. I need to grieve this loss." I need to go through and say, this is a loss. I don't have perfect health right now. And then I make a decision what I want to do about it. And, and if I want to live and, to, and breathe life, then I'm, going to do, I'm, then I'm going to do the work it takes mind, body, and spirit to, to um, choose life. And, and, um, and, and as you go on this journey, a, a, a person who's evolved, even with this tragedy, they will know. Um, um, that they're supposed to choose life or they're supposed to choose that I know my contract's over. And, and so, so, so even dying doesn't have to be um, traumatizing. It can be accepting. You know, we all die. We all are born and we all die. And so, 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 so a, a person, let's say, who wants to live and who combats a terminal illness, they will, they will study their cancer. They will work with every, every support system they can. They will discern through prayer what kind of treatment they need to have and what, what they need to do. They will embrace each step of waking up, rejuvenating through, through this okay with relationship with cancer and kind of define it, gain a sense of self, work from love, not fear, make the choice of how to combat it and how to speak up for themselves, intuitively listen to what they already know, what they've already been blessed, which I think God blesses with lots of gifts. So they, they use their inner gifts, their inner knowledge already. Then they're ready to look for, seek for inspiration because, you know, they recognize there's more in this world than is us. And whatever their belief system is, we all can get inspiration, is my belief. And then they rise to the occasion. And when the rise to the occasion is, they are healed at that time and they're giving back. I love the, I love the, the um, um, Tuesdays with Maury. I don't know, it's a book that was written um, by Albert, you know, and, he, and Maury did that. He rose to the occasion. Even though he was dying, he was a teacher, clear to the end. He chose to go on 60 minutes and teach the world about how to, how to die gracefully with cancer and accept his plan. Then I have a mentor, um, um, Cheryl Canfield, Canfield. She wrote a book. Um, 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 she was supposed to be profound. It's profound healing. You're supposed to be dying well. But through profound healing with her cancer, she did her, she did her own 12 steps of well, kind of the map I just talked about. And she miraculously healed herself from cancer. And so, so, and she, and, and the doctors, she was, she was given five months to live. And so, so because her contract within herself was to live and then she became a teacher. She gave and she serves and gives back. She wrote her story and then she teaches. And so, 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 um, because she did the mind, body, spirit, you know, she learned self-hypnosis. She, she caught, wrote her dream, her, her dreams. She started her cancer. She learned it, it fed on oxygen, it healed by oxygen. So, so she went on walks and first she had a crawl. She decorated her whole house for healing elements. She had a fountain, you know, she, and she did a lot of prayer. And, 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 and so, so she, and so she knew she was going to heal. And so, 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 so as we gain this relationship with ourselves, I'm sorry, when you say she said she was going to heal, what does that mean? That, that, does that mean that she actually, I'm just trying to work out to what extent is it about accepting and learning to love and learning to be at peace with what happens? Or is it like, I really want to, to cure myself of what's going on over here? 
you know, it, you, hear the, you, hear the, you hear the difference of what I'm asking you? Yes. You said she wanted yes. to heal, but it's like, if you have a terminal illness, do, do, do you really expect it to heal that? Or is it more about like learning how to just deal with, with it, what it is? Yeah. Um, um, okay. Both. I, I think that, 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 that the wanting isn't really the healing, you know, but, but, but the, the okay. um, wanting to know yourself and you, and, and willing to listen internally, this is for me. Like Cheryl, she, when the doctor said, the only way you, we, the only treatment we can give you is to surgery that's going to be, you're going to be left with chopped liver. She listened within her inner healer and said, that's not for me. And so she walked out and her original writing was dying well. She said, figured the doctor only gave her one choice, but as she prepared to die well and used the modalities of self-discovery and 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 mindfulness and listening and pondering and writing and symbolism and and did that and let's say her cancer is she evolved to oh i'm supposed to live and that was the inner knowing that that, that she which which she gained where tuesdays with maury maury said that inner work i'm supposed to move on and so so i'm going to do i'm going to do you know i'm going to teach that as I go out with the peace that is meant to, that, that's meant to happen when we pass on. So they both receive those inner knowings from their, I call the inner healer. I call the ideal self, the authentic self, that, that the self that goes above is like when you, when you reach that stage, the traumas happen, life happens, but you kind of rise above them. It's like you're watching them in a movie rather than being dragged and tethered to them. You work through them and you rise above and then you, then they're a part of your story and you have these golden nugget lessons to pull vault you forward for the next challenge in life. But if you don't rise above it and with those golden lessons and apply them, you're dragged through the mud. It's like you're, you're tethered to a horse and you fell off and then they're dragging you through the mud and you're just holding on for life to hoping you'll make it through. And, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. So that, that's, it's, it's, it's so fascinating. So, what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is the extent to which your trauma affects you. Once you become aware, let's say, or a person makes him, does something wrong. Let's say it's not like, uh, whatever it is, you know, you could say cancer, or let's say it's a, you know, God forbid, a drunk driving thing, or, or the, um, you know, it's interesting that the, uh, everyone's like kind of hailing this. There's a new movie on Netflix, which is um, with, with um, Robert De Niro, which was this uh, about a, a killer, and and what was really, um, I'm totally blanking on his name now. Irishman, because, the Irishman. Yeah, the Irishman. Whoever, who, who's the guy that directed it? Um, I'm so bad. I'm bad about that. I, I saw him. He's been someone I've followed for whatever. He's done basically the same movie a hundred times for three decades, and the fascinating thing is that um, each time the, the characters get older. But what I found fascinating about this. Um, final thing was that was that the guy that had been the bad guy spent the last half of the movie basically reflecting on what his life was as being this, you know, murderer person and, and how it affected his family and stuff like that. So in a case where let's say I inflicted the tragedy on myself or I was been drinking for, for, for years and now I get out and I look at my family and I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Or I drunk drove and I killed this person and now I, I create all this trauma in the world. So the question would be in a situation like that, to the extent to which I'm still in it is when I'm dealing with like the feeling bad about myself, feeling bad about those people, feeling like guilt and frustration. And once I've kind of worked through it, I'm able to look at it 
learn and basically you're saying be proactive in terms of trying to heal the old relationships and or teach people who have done similar things how they can cope above it. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yes. Very good. Yes. So it's just, it's really, it's as simple as like a litmus test being how much does this affect me and to what extent is this making me feel bad versus to which extent am I using this to be a teaching opportunity for others and then I can actually be proud of and own my story. Yes. Very good. Yes. Cool. Um, so now that's a very profound, I have like two directions that I want to go with you as a clinician. Um, to what extent should anybody assume that there are bad things in your life? I'm just thinking through like traumatic relationships. Let's say a person says, should I, you know, terminate the relationship with my parent or should I dissolve a marriage? To what extent is a person probably supposed to become introspective before making a decision like, you know, my, my spouse is, is abusive or something like that. To what extent do you start with yourself? And to what extent do you, do you assume that it's an outside factor? I always, um, um, I always um, start in the place that you have um, control over. And that is with yourself. We always have to start with ourselves. You know, that's what this is. This is the life we're given. We start with ourselves, and it doesn't mean that that that. You know, um, we again. I love the word curious because I think we stay curious about it. And um, and um, there are bad people out there. Sometimes it's not our fault. We bad things happen to us, and people are bad, and we have to. Um, but but it's it's if we don't learn the lesson that God is there, we're vulnerable of being uh, running into the bad people again. I don't know how many young rape victims get re-raped. Yeah. You know, and, and then they lose credibility, like you weren't really raped, which is horrific because right. it's, it's that programming. They haven't known where their part in it is. And it's just, it could be naivety. It could be, it could be their conditioned to, to be slavery versus service oriented. They, they, you know, it's, it's so many different factors that they, that we don't know. What, why, why did I get myself here? It doesn't mean you're accountable for the wrongdoing. It means you played, a, you're there. It's your story. And, and ultimately like the, the lesson is, I, and I see this a lot in, in clients that I work with where they might be, have been married for a long time and they, they're, not, they're not in a happy place and they, they're thinking, you know, I want to dissolve the marriage and I want to find someone else. And one of the points, I, 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 as a clinician, I never try to say, don't do that. But one of the points I bring up is it's like, there's a pretty darn good chance that, you know, two, two weeks into the second relationship where she's perfect, you're going to find that it's just a different version of your wife because really it's just your problem and not not anything intrinsically wrong with the spouse or the marriage. It's, it's you. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, so so that, that, that's, that's very important. So the idea would be that even if a person finds himself in a bad relationship or bad job or bad, you know, whatever, the, the, the smartest thing, not necessarily because you don't want to take action to remove yourself from the situation, but if you don't do the work, there's a much better chance that you will just repeat the same process and, it, it, and they're just going to look different, but they're going to affect you the same way. That's why you have to look at yourself first. The second thing I was curious as a clinician is this idea of the spiritual self. And to what extent I would call it, you know, the non-tangent, you know, the non-scientific stuff plays into what you teach and help people with. And why we shouldn't discount the supernatural, so to speak, or the spiritual components in, in our own healing. You know, um, um, 
this yeah this, this is this is an interesting one i um um as a as an individual as a person i don't know how to separate them i've never been able to separate them i'm a, you know i'm a spiritual being i don't know how to do it you know have an earthly experience but but in in a, in a, in a context of a therapy therapeutic room i i feel like um um the the i defy anyone to tell me that 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 they haven't had um, experiences that they can't really explain, you know, answers that come to them, impressions that come to them, um, um, and um, results that come to them, and um, that wasn't there all that, that they they saw coming. And so, so, um, so I just, you know, we are, you know, um, science now has caught up where they where they they can hook you to machine and they can see your subtle body, they can see your energy. You have color, you have you have energy fields. They measure these. You know, um, th th that is not tangible. And um, so, what is that? You know, I, I think that that is that is um, spiritual. You know, I think that that we 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 um, we are. Um, you know, when we, that our energy fields get fractured, they can see holes in the energy fields. I mean, they can, it's just a fascinating what they, what science is showing now. And so, so I think there's a, we can ignore it and, and it plays into our, it hinders our ability to evolve and, um, and we can, and we can call it religion. So we, we want, we want to call it bad and it, and it, so we can label it and it hinders our inability to, to, to evolve. And so, so, so I just, I just, um, I, it's okay. That's where I have to honor I wonder where you're at. However, I don't know how to tell you that you'll fully, 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 fully heal if you don't really honor all that you're that you're being. You you hear the irony though, or the or the funny nature. I'm a, I'm a rabbi by trade, and and you know if you look at any of the trends in America, for sure, to say that religion is losing ground on a very you know clear schedule, uh, you know very very obviously. And if you would walk into any room of let's say I don't know. I would never lead in a lot of ways with, you know, this spiritual connection you have is probably the healthiest thing for you. Meaning like we feel as a society that we've really progressed out of this desire or this need to rely on the spiritual. And now, you know, we can go to a therapist like yourself or the scientist or the doctor and diagnose all of our problems. And it's fascinating, like the word that you said evolve, it's, it's so fascinating that in the doctor's office, so to speak, you are hearing, no, you actually need all of that stuff to go the next step. There's only so far that a purely scientific approach can take you. Yes. Yes. And so I, like, I, do I, you I, talk about spirituality? Like, go ahead. What were we going to say? I, I, I probably, I, you know, again, in my coaching, especially I do, you know, and um, because it's, it's part of the healing process. And the reality is in the psychology world, they say we're in a spiritual awakening. But we're but we're all moving away from religion. There's a contract. There's okay, contradiction. I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. But I'm a spiritual person. Okay, you know what does that really look like and mean? You know, and so let's really talk about healing on it. That that evolving. You're really recognizing there's more to you than in this room. So let's go there. You know, you get you know you're gonna get walk out of here. You get inspiration. Right. These are come along. Let's just walk there. Let's just start with that. You know, it's so funny because I mean I going back to the original premise of the discussion, I. I've, I've had so many conversations and in my own life also, it's like the people's biggest fear. These are, I mean, I, I, I'm an Orthodox Jew and I, and I work with a lot of uh, Orthodox Jews, you know, in, in, in people's biggest fear is, is this idea of hell and this idea that, you know, it's not that death scares them, but it's like, I just don't want to go to hell. And it's like, that's so interesting that that's 
that that anxiety crosses over and is so affecting your life. And so I just, I made a point to a, a client yesterday. I was like, maybe it's not the dogma or the religion that's giving you this kind of anxiety, but maybe it was the trauma from your parents that you come from an unstable place and you just am projecting that now onto all of your spirituality. So it could be why we're spiritual, but not religious is because we have so much trauma from religion and yes. therefore we don't want to, we're like, you know, like just like keep it away from me. Yes, exactly. I think very much so. Interesting. Um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask one, I mean, this was very, this was awesome. And uh, I wanted to acknowledge you for all of the amazing things that you have spoken about. And I, hopefully there'll be a follow-up. Uh, but w- w- as a sort of final question for this segment after, or before you tell us how we can find you on social media, um, a lot of people struggle with what do I need now? Is it coaching? Is it therapy? How do you see the difference? And what questions should people ask to determine what their next step should be? And is it possible that nobody needs either of those? I mean, that's really interesting because I just did my own podcast yesterday and a woman, you know, she, she, she was, um, she evolved out of her tragedy and she said at the end, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have been everyone needs therapy and everyone needs coaching. And she goes, I just can't sing it loud enough, you know, for, for her evolve. And obviously my bias, since I'm a therapist and a coach, I'm going to say everyone needs it. But, but the reality is um, I think that um, it is individual basis. And, and, and I, I, like from our coaching practice, I want, I, I really kind of vet people out. Have you ever had therapy? You know, and I really encourage some therapy to some exposure to make sure that they're, they're in a way they're, they're about because coaching takes a maturity. It takes an emotional and a mental maturity and trauma makes us immature. It's not that, you know, it just does because it impacts us. A lot of developmental trauma happens during those development years and we get stuck emotionally and mentally in those, in those traumas. And you need to find out where you're starting at. Are you ready for coaching? Because failure and co- uh, failures that happen in coaching, coaching, I think is because the person isn't ready for it. And so, 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 so come to therapy, find your, find, get your feet wet, find where the trauma is, identify the trauma. And then, and then if you like, you need short-term therapy, because now I'm ready to go after my purpose, because coaching really is defining your purpose. It's the upper levels. You know, is that, is like, I'm ready to make a choice. I'm ready to follow, follow my intuition. I'm ready to, to go inspiration. So that's coaching. You know, therapy is waking up the rooting, the, the opposition and find a sense of self. So that's how I would kind of describe it. So and so I, rate is love, go to coaching. If it's still called fear, go to therapy. So, so I, I love that. And, and so it's like if a person is dealing with broken and getting them whole again, that's therapy. And once a person is essentially whole, then coaching is now how do I start to proactively, I guess, and it's, it's just so fascinating because again, like you said, love and fear. If a person says, how do I avoid pain? So that's in the therapy discussion. If a person says, I looking at my life and I would like a better marriage, uh, more economic opportunity. So all of a sudden now I'm identifying things. I'm not scared of anything, but I, I desire more. Then it becomes a conversation around strategically, how do I get there? And then if you find yourself popping up like, oh my, I can't, I can't do that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, well, we have to take a step back and let's, let's, let's identify some of those reasons why you can't. Yes. Outstanding. Uh, Dr. Sherry, tell us a little bit about how people find you and follow up your books, your podcast. What's next? Okay, great. I'm, you know, I'm in a, in a transfer, tra- I'm transforming myself. And so right now you find me on my website, a place, the number two turn.com. 
You can find me on Facebook, Sherry McDonald, LMFT PhD. And um, you can also email me, Dr. Sherry, C-H-E-R-I, at a place to turn. And um, and so so and I'm I'm doing my um, as new year, my new um, um, coaching pro practice and movement break free. The break, um, break free from, from tra trauma to triumph is it will be evolving, and that's where you'll we'll find um, my classes will, um, will be online, and, my, and um, you can get my book now that's kind of launching into that. It's called Heal Your Trauma, Heal Your Marriage, Seven Steps to Root, Rebound, and Rise. Email me or PM me on Facebook, and I'll send you a free copy because I really want to get this message out, and I want it to evolve, and, and I really want um, to get people's opinions about it because I think it really is magical. I've seen magical, magical results from it, so I'm very excited about it. So thanks for asking. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's nice meeting you. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.